Well, I hope that you notice yeah, whenever you came in today. Did y'all notice the mess over here on the side? That is a good mess. And so we've been excited. Uh, we finally had uh, permitting, got the permitting pass from Richland County. And so they came in this week during vacation Bible school, got some big tractors out, and, and just started knocking down trees and preparing the ground. So that's where the new building's going to be, is right over there. And then a lot of the dirt area that you see is where our new parking's going to be. And so that means that whenever you come to church here shortly, that you will have uh, more places to park and better, better access. You know, it's always nicer to park like right over here as opposed to parking on the road where you take your lives into your own hands whenever you're trying to cross the street. So we're, we are just really excited about that. So we hope that you'll join with us and looking forward to the completion of that project. Uh, but today we're continuing our series in the book of Ephesians. And if you have your Bible and you might want to look there a little earlier, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to cover the first 13 verses and uh, so we will do that. Let's see, it's 11.04. We will do that before, believe it or not, before 11.30 is here. So uh, I'll do my best to keep us on track. So that will be Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1. But today the focus is going to be on mystery. Um, if you looked on your bulletin, that's the title of the message today. And the reason why is because in the verses we're going to read, Paul uses the word mystery on four different occasions. And I, I love mysteries. Um, I like to read I like to read mystery books or thrillers. I, I particularly like spy thrillers. Um, I like good movies where there's like a, you know, just like a crazy twist at the end. How many of y'all, one of my favorite movies is the movie Sixth Sense. How many of y'all have not seen The Sixth Sense? Did y'all raise your hand? Okay, that is much better than the first service. Uh, the first service totally screwed up my story because I don't think anybody had seen the movie. And so I was like, you got to be kidding me. So if you've not, I've decided now, if you've not seen it, then there's something wrong with you. And uh, so I'm just going to tell you, my, it's, uh, the reason why I like the movie so much is, uh, if you remember, Bruce Willis was like a child psychologist. He and his wife go to this meeting. They're not getting along well. And uh, they, they come back home. And when they come home, there's a guy that he had treated when he was a kid that uh, was obviously not very impressed with Bruce Willis's work. So he pulls out a gun and shoots Bruce Willis. Um, in the abdomen, he falls over, and the guy turns the gun on himself. So you know, that's the, it's sort of a messy beginning. But then in the fall, Bruce Willis begins to work with this little kid who's like nine years old. And the issue the boy's dealing with is he sees dead people. Weird, children cover yours. Uh, just very strange movie. And so he thinks he's delusional at first, but then he begins to realize there's something going on here. And so he talks to the kid, tries to get him to help out. And uh, as they come to the end of the movie, you know, things are, are interesting. He comes back, Bruce Willis comes back to his house, and he notices his wife watching their wedding video, and not for the first time. And you might remember, she, she falls asleep, and then her hand opens up, and his wedding ring falls out of her hand. Y'all remember that part? And it's then that Bruce Willis looks down, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I haven't been wearing it for a long time. And the twist in the whole story, y'all, this is a spoiler alert, so if you haven't seen it, cover your ears. Okay, too late now. Uh, he realizes that he was killed at the beginning of the movie. And the reason why the boy, of course, was able to talk to him was because he's one of them dead people. Okay, I watched that movie, and I was like, that is awesome. And so I watched, I watched the movie three more times just so I could pick up on it. I know, one of the things I noticed is Bruce Willis never wears different clothes throughout the movie. You might have noticed that. Anyway, so I'm just telling you the story because, you know, I feel I'm like uh, Siskel and Ebert up here. Two thumbs up, 
great movie. I love a mystery. And so whenever I look into the scripture today, Paul mentions mystery four times. And I'm like, oh, this is exciting. And so, I, I, so what I want us to do today is I just want us to put on our Sherlock Holmes caps. And we're going to say, what's this mystery about? And what we're going to discover is this mystery is so important for us to unfold. And for some of you, you're going to say, I already knew this stuff. But it's, it's, it's important for us to unfold because this mystery impacts our lives as individuals. And it impacts the life of the church, even historically speaking. And so uh, if you have your Bible, again, look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1. And what you notice as you go through Ephesians, in the first couple of chapters we've talked about this, is that there's racial tension that's going on here. Uh, y'all, racial, if you think that racial tension is something that's only been going on in the last 40, 50 years, 100 years, let me tell you something. It's been going on since the beginning of time. And the racial tension that's going on in our Scripture was between the Jewish people, and the Gentiles. And Gentiles are non-Jewish people. And the Gentiles were viewed by the Jewish people as being just a bunch of barbaric, pagan people. And they were viewed that way because they were. And, uh, and I say this as a Gentile, so I'm speaking about myself here. And so they were just a barbaric race. But Paul comes along and he tells people, he says, hey, listen, people who are not Jewish also have the opportunity to become a part of God's family. And whenever that, was, whenever that was mentioned, it just threw a monkey wrench into everything because the Jewish Christians like being superior. And all of a sudden they're being told, hey, these guys that you saw as barbaric, they're just like you in, in relation to God. And so they accepted the news that they said, well, that might be true, but Gentiles, if you're really going to be accepted by God, you've got to play the game like we do. You've got to be more like us. And that's where Paul comes into this story, a little background there. That's where he comes into this story, and he says, oh, he goes, you need to understand the mystery that God has that we need to know about. All right, so what's the mystery? Well, we're going to investigate the mystery, and we'll see what we can learn about it. And the first thing to discover, when Paul mentions mystery four times, one thing that we need to discover is we need to discover the mystery. If we're going to talk about it, then what in the world is that mystery? And if you look in verse 1, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. So Paul says, I I know the mystery, as I've briefly written above. He says, "By, by reading this, you were able to understand my insight about the mystery of the Messiah. The mystery comes from God. And this was not made known to people in other generations. Why it's a mystery. He says, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, as I said earlier, Jews and Gentiles, racial tension didn't get along very well. And, and I, I mentioned this last week. There was actually some, some reasons for this. Uh, the temple area, there's a court of Gentiles. And there was a wall that stood about four feet high that was just outside the temple. And the, the Jewish leader said, Gentiles, that's me, you can come right here. You want to worship God, you can come right here. But if you pass this wall, three signs in three different languages says, we're going to kill you. Now, in that welcoming? You know, I mean, that would be like us having a sign right outside these doors where y- y'all can stand in the foyer. But if you come in here, if you're not from Blythewood, 
we are going to kill you. Now, that's not a welcoming sign right there. And so the, the Gentiles, as you can imagine, when they see stuff like this, they had an inferiority complex. And Paul let people know. He said, hey, listen, God has specially chosen the Jewish people to demonstrate his power and his grace through. Have, have you all heard of that before, that the Jewish people are the chosen ones? Have you all heard that before? Yeah, we've heard that. Now, were they chosen because they're just so much better than everybody else? That Did God choose them because they are smarter than everybody else or because they are better than us? They're just naturally, you know, gooder than we are. That's Blythewood. That they're gooder than we are? No, absolutely not. You see, God, just in his free and good will, because he has the right to do whatever he wants, he said, I'm going to choose the Jewish people in order to make my grace and power known through them. So what does that mean for the rest of us? You know, the rest of us, you know, Gentile folks, does that mean that we're, you know, that God doesn't care about us? Does it mean that God just looks at us and says, ah, they're just leftover people? No, that's, 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 not, that's not what it means. As a matter of fact, that's not what it means at all. As a matter of fact, this is where Paul says there is a mystery that, that God has had since long ago that people have not really grasped until now. What's the mystery? Here's the mystery. The mystery is that all people have the opportunity to know God, even Gentiles. They have the opportunity to be a part of his family. In verse 6 of our text, it says, This mystery, here's the, here's the answer here, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, as a Gentile, that's me, I really like this verse. I like knowing that I'm not just, uh, you know, a leftover uh, person, because I was not born into the Jewish race. God's plan of redemption, and this is the mystery, God's plan of redemption, not just for good people, not just for people from Blythewood, not just for people of a certain ethnicity, it is for all people. That's the mystery. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wishing anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, it's easy to look at, the, at this verse and then look at the Jewish people, the Jewish religion, and say, how in the world could they think that they're better than everybody else? And then I got convicted about that, and I began to think, yeah, I do the same thing. You know, there's so many times in my life when I judge a book by its cover, and, and I can look at people and say, because they are different than me, because they're from a different culture than me because they don't listen to the kind of music I listen to because they don't worship in the same kind of way that I do, then they're not connected to God. You know, they're not as you know, they're not as close to God as I am because because I do it right. Now and this has been a real revelation to me. Because I in general, just being honest with you, y'all, I think I pretty much do everything right. And you know what I've learned? And I, 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 I told some of y'all this last week. Uh, last week, I celebrated my 20th wedding anniversary to the same woman. And uh, so now I can say this. I can officially give advice on marriage because I am wise. But uh, one thing that I've been learning through marriage is that 
that I'm not always right. As a matter of fact, I, I think I'm learning I'm always wrong. But, uh, but I'm not always right. It's very easy for me to think that I'm better than everybody else. But let me tell you something. I, it doesn't matter what family you're from, what nationality you're from, what culture you're from. Y'all, this whole issue is about Jesus. Our church is about Jesus. And Jesus is big enough to overcome the differences that we have to bring us into his family. Revelation 5.9 says this of Jesus. It says, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchase men from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see that? Who, who did Christ purchase and bring into his family? South Carolinians? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously. But it says every nation and people and tongue, every tribe. This is the mystery that Paul had. And Paul said, because I had this mystery, i got to tell people the good news. This is a message for everybody. In verse number 2, Paul said, You've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That word administration means stewardship. Paul said, I am a steward of this message. And if I'm going to be a good steward, i got to share the message that Jesus is for everybody. i got to tell people this. Otherwise, I'm not being a good steward. If you have life-changing news, what do you do with that kind of news? You tell people about it, right? Um, I, I know in one, one area of life where many of us have experienced life-changing news is whenever we have children. And I, I say, you know, for, for those of you who've had kids, did that news change your life? Did the birth of your child change your life? I mean, Absolutely. It changes your finances. It changes your spontaneity. You know, just chunk that out the door for the next, you know, two decades. That's gone. Um, it changes the way you sleep. It changes everything. But what if, what if your wife didn't share this life-changing news with you that she's going to have a baby? You know, like after three months, you'd be looking at your wife going, Gosh, she's kind of getting a gut. You know, like after, after six months, you're going to be looking at her and thinking, why is her stomach wiggling around? That is weird. And then nine months later, when she comes home with the baby, you're going to be in shock. And you're going to be irritated because you say, because you didn't share that news with me, I didn't get to prepare for this. You know, I would have treated you differently had I known. Y'all, it is important that we discover the mystery that Paul's talking about. What's the mystery? This is the message for everybody. The message of Jesus for everybody. But if that mystery is going to make a difference, the next thing to discover is how to implement the mystery. Look in verse 6. It says, The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles... This is important. The incalculable riches of the Messiah. The incalculable riches. And to shed light for all about the administration of, again, the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Whenever you receive important news or you get important information that is life-changing, 
if it's going to make a difference in your life, what do you have to do with that information? You have to apply it, right? You can have all the information in the world. You can be the smartest guy in this room, but if you don't take that information and use it in your life, that information, it doesn't matter. You know, we can have all the information in the world. I think basically we do. We have all the information in the world about how we need to how we need to eat right and to exercise and all those things, right? I mean, we we kind of know that. We know what's good for us to eat. I'm just looking out, and I don't want to embarrass you, but Roger, I saw Roger. Roger's doing CrossFit. Roger's applying. Roger's lost. Uh, he's probably gained what 60, 70 pounds of muscle, right? Pure muscle. Come up here and take your shirt off. Just kidding. So, you know, Roger's in good shape. Now, Roger's applying the information that he has with CrossFit, right? He's in good shape. But, but you know, I know that stuff, too. I know what I need to do. But if I don't apply it, y'all, instead of having the eight-pack like Roger has, I've only got a six-pack. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> information means nothing unless I apply it. And the same thing's true with God. God says, here's the information, my message is good for all people. Jesus changes people, but if you don't apply Jesus to your life and you don't seek him out, it's not going to do anything for you. What message did Paul have? Paul says, I want you to know that you can become co-heirs with Jesus and you can receive the riches, the incalculable riches of the Messiah. That word incalculable, you know what it means? It means you can't count it. There's so much of it that it's incalculable. As a matter of fact, another word that's used is unsearchable. It's speaking of somebody who's digging, and he keeps digging up treasure, and he keeps digging, and he just can't quit finding it. I mean, it's just, it just you can't get to the bottom of the riches that God offers to us. What kind of riches does he offer to us? Peace, hope, forgiveness. We get so used to saying this stuff that I think sometimes it loses its meaning. Eternal life, joy, the power to endure heartache. You think our world needs some of this stuff? If we really applied this, if we saw Jesus, if people encountered Jesus, you think that would make a difference in our world? I guarantee you it would. I mean, crime would go down, marriages would be restored. Now, I know that sounds like pie-in-the-sky kind of stuff, but guys, let me tell you something. You cannot come into contact with Jesus and remain the same. If you do, I'm here to tell you, you've not come into contact with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. You want to see our world change? You want to see your life change? And you have to implement what Jesus teaches. Romans 10, 12-14 says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and there's no difference. Uh, or excuse me, the, the same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on Him. He blesses us all. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? If we have good news, guys, we have to apply it if it's going to make a difference. A guy named Louis Pasteur was like one of the early inventors of uh, the rabies vaccination. He wanted to use it on himself, but he didn't have rabies. A little nine-year-old boy got it, 
His mom said injecting, he did it for 10 days. After 10 days, the boy, thousands of people, by the way, died of rabies every year. After 10 days of injecting this boy, he lived. He survived. His name was Joseph Meister. Mother was tremendously grateful. What's really interesting is about 30 years later, Louis Pasteur died. You know what was put on his tombstone? Three words. I thought this was kind of interesting. Three words. The three words were, Joseph Meister lived. I was like, That's, that is very cool. Now, why would he want that on his tombstone? Because he gathered information, and he applied it to somebody's life, and it made a difference. Now, Villasers, if we are going to leave a legacy of eternity, we tell people about Jesus. And one day, we will be able to ride on our tombstone because of the message of Jesus through Village Church, people lived. Now, I look at our text today. And I see that we are to discover the mystery. We're to discover how to implement the mystery. But here's the last thing I want us to see, and we'll conclude. And that is, who has the responsibility to make known this mystery? And that's found in verses 10 through 13. It says, this is so God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known, it says, through the church, to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. And this is according to his eternal purpose, accomplished in the Messiah, Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through him and through faith in him. And so then I ask you not to be discouraged over my affliction on your behalf, for they are your glory. Paul tells us clearly that the job, the responsibility of the one who's to share the good news of Jesus is the church. I think a lot of times we think, well, it's the the preacher. Yeah, I, I should do that. It's supposed to be missionaries. They, no doubt they should do that. But I'm here today to tell you it is also, according to Paul, through the leadership of God, your job to share the mystery of Jesus, that he is a redeemer for all people. And I think that most of us are going to agree with this in, in, in principle. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that church should do that. But I think most Christians, I didn't say all, so I don't, want you, I don't want too many of you to get offended. But I think most Christians, they don't view church this way. I believe many of us view the church like a consumer. When we view the church and we look at it and say, well, what's the church going to do for me? You know, how, now speaking to Christians here. And we say, well, what is the church going to do for me? How is you know, how, how's the band going to perform for me today? You know, how's, is the, how's the preacher going to, is he going to be like Billy Graham today? Is he going to put me to sleep today? Y'all done pretty well for the most part. You know, how's, how are the children's programs? And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But guys, let me tell you this, and I say this, uh, I do, I say this in love. I want you to know this. I want you to know the church, this church, the church at large in general, is not for you. Church is not for me. The church is for Jesus. And the church is here to bring glory and honor to Jesus. It's not here to bring glory and honor to me, glory and honor to you or your kids. It is here to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And it is through us that we are to share 
Jesus. Why? Because Jesus changes lives. I don't change people's lives. Jesus does. And he brings forgiveness. He brings freedom from sin. He breaks people's bondage. It is Jesus. Now, the Ephesian Christians were in a state of confusion because they thought everything was supposed to be for them. And then Paul comes along and says, no, no, no. He says, Jesus is here. And we are to celebrate him. And as we do, he changes lives. But if we have that information and we don't share it, I'll tell you something. There's not going to be life. There's not going to be a difference in this world and our community. Now, I've shared this before. I think it's a great illustration. In Israel, the two biggest bodies of water are the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And the Sea of Galilee, it is my, it's, a little, it's just a little lake. And it's, it's my favorite place. I love it up there. And uh, the, the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee, it's, and it's teeming with fish. It has uh, 20 different species of fish. Every time when we've been there, I've only seen these guys up there fishing. I love to fish, and so I, I'm dying to go over there. I'm trying to figure out how I can bring a pole. And they're fish. I was like, what kind of fish y'all got in there? They have tilapia in there, which is pretty awesome. And so, uh, anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. But they, they fish there. But they, it's so full of life. Now, the, the, the Jordan River feeds into the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee has an outlet. Then it feeds into the Dead Sea. Dead Sea is at the lowest point on earth. It has no outlet. It just simply collects water. And as it collects water, it's so, it's so hot, you know, in the Dead Sea area, that a million gallons of water evaporate every day, the Dead Sea. Now, what happens because of that is it's very, it's, it's very salty, it's mineral-rich, and uh, now it's a cool place to go. You can, lit- where you can literally get in the water, and uh, you can stand straight up like a buoy, and you will not go. It's weird. You just stand up and float. You can lay on your back, and you can read a newspaper and just float right on top of the water. I mean, it's unreal. It's a cool place, but nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Everything is dead. Now, why is that? Because there's no outlet. It just simply collects water, and it never gives. And church, let me tell you something. If we just simply collect the blessings that God has given this church and has given us, and yet we never share, there will be no life. There will be no life-changing moments that are made in our community and the people around us. So what do I see when I look at our text today? Guys, here's what I see. I see we have a calling from God to share Jesus. Not to share us, share Jesus. The message of Jesus is for all people. It's our responsibility to share. Now you might say, well, how do I do that? And there's a lot of different ways to do it, but we're just going to conclude with one real simple way. I really believe this. I believe that there are many of you who work with people, who are neighbors with people, that people you go to school with, who are not involved in a church fellowship, who, are, uh, who do not have a relationship with Christ. And it, here, here's, here's how you can participate. If you have a pen or pencil, or if you don't, maybe you can take your phone out, you can write it on your little notes. Think of some people that maybe God's laying on your heart right now. You say, you know, I, I believe I need, to, I, I need to reach out to that person. I need to pray for that person. And you can just write down their name. And then I want you to pray for that person or those people. 
And just simply pray. Say, Lord, I, I pray, I believe you've laid this person on my heart. I want to lift them up to you. And I ask, Jesus, that they will be sensitive to the things of God. Lord, I pray that you will give me the opportunity to connect with that person. And then invite them into the church. And then pray that you will have that opportunity to do it and then do it. You know, don't just continually pray, Lord, give me an opportunity and never do anything. Do it. And as you do that, here's what I believe. I believe that as you introduce people to Jesus, there will be some people whose lives will be forever transformed. Not because of you, not because of us, but because of who we worship. There's a mystery in Scripture. And that mystery is that God is for all people. And we need to share that.